Hey there. I would like to begin this episode by thanking Sean Fournier, Francis Adrian, John Lozano, Bill Darrow, and Benjamin Galansky. All of these are people who have gone to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv and kicked us a few bucks a month, and it really helps us out. You can go there and do likewise and get a bunch of bonus content uh, if you uh, see fit to do so. Once again, that is patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a Games Club podcast. And hark, people of Faerun, this uh, month, well, week rather, <laughs> we are, this fortnight, yes, we are talking about Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. What a confident hark. Yep. To, to uh, follow. <laughs> to proceed such a stumble good sarah ah uh, yes um, <laughs> Baldur's gate dark alliance uh an action rpg developed by snowblind studios and published by black isle studios for the ps2 gamecube and xbox in 2001 yeah uh this is our premium episode for december mm-hmm. we had an extra week yeah and we didn't want our premium episode to be like hey, here's some dragon age dlcs yeah that would uh, not have been enough we think so we decided to throw throw something in to, 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 mm-hmm. throw, to throw in a new one yeah and this this actually forms a really nice uh not only does this kind of match up with wrpg month mm-hmm. but it also forms kind of a nice contrast comparison with dragon age 2 Right. Uh, both in terms of like wave after wave of reinforcement based combat and uh, setting kind of differences. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a hack and slash dungeon crawler. Uh, takes place from an overhead perspective. Think of like a Diablo like. Mm-hmm. Or if you hearken back to Watch Out for Fireballs number 50, number 75. Episode, 75, thank you, uh, on X Men Legends 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, this kind of was the uh, the 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 first of that kind of game on the ps2 like prior to this you would have um you would have dungeon crawlers like say uh was it darkstone or what or what have darkstone. you darkstone yeah we bring up darkstone a lot on the show darkstone for being a ten dollar budget uh title yeah. has a weirdly big impact it has a large footprint um i think on this network mm-hmm. i'm not, not referring to demon stone the other forgotten realms um tappa tappa game um yeah but also dark, good yes yeah. but yeah but, but, but like, we all bought dark stones for 10 bucks <laughs> so. but but yeah this uh this kind of ended up being the basis for like basically any game that was kind of like this in that in that generation mm-hmm. like this this engine ended up being used for champions of norath and it ended up, ended up being used uh for such illustrious games as uh, uh fallout brotherhood of steel this like mm-hmm. this was Brought just you by a, balls <laughs> this is just like a kind of game the you know baldur's gate console 
uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh you know leg of the of the uh, family tree yeah it's a it's amazing that we got out of balls shadow as an energy drink yeah 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 that was a real risky gambit <laughs> for them just be like here drink your balls yeah uh, and they came up with like balls root beer at some point okay uh and it was like energy drink root beer and it tasted just like root beer uh-huh. Like I would occasionally get one when I worked at the grocery store when I first moved out to Portland. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause you know, I'd be like working all day and want an energy drink as you do when you're working a shitty service retail job. Right. Uh, and it was like, reach for a balls, mm-hmm. reach for a bottle of balls. And every time I did it, I was like, Hmm, fallout brotherhood of steel. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, those ads worked on me. It, Not that, you know, fallout has a, a popular soda associated with it or anything. No, no, it, it really came in and filled the, filled the vacuum in that, in, in that universe and that continuity. Yeah. It's the only sort of survive the apocalypse. Yeah. And like, like balls, ball, <laughs> balls kind of ended up like weirdly becoming this real obnoxious, like gamer identity drink too. Mm, you yeah. know, like in a way that like game fuel would eventually uh, supplant it afterwards. But like there would be web comics where like, don't talk to me until I've had my balls and you would like only get it yeah. at like micro center and stuff like that. There, there's also the, the bottle was like ribbed. Mm-hmm. In a way that was really obscene. It was like the French tickler of drinks. It was designed like, by H.R. Like, Giger. Yeah, it's just like you'd buy it from a vending machine in a strip club. Like uh, it was, it, it had a lot it moans of bumps on the way on out. It. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like a lot of bumps yeah. uh, on a on a bottle of balls. Um, so this game uh, takes place in and around Baldur's Gate, uh, which is on the Sword Coast of Faerun in the Forgotten Realms. Setting, We're home, uh, baby. Uh. We're home, baby. If I'm going to have generic fantasy shit, mm-hmm. let it be this. Yeah, yeah. You know? Just makes sense to me. And I admit, it's because I know it. You know? Uh, like, mm-hmm. don't give me Eberron like that. No, 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 that's not what I want. <laughs> Eberron's lousy anyway. Eberron's yeah. full of, like, magic flying trains and shit. Right, right. Uh, get know. a little, get a little bit too close to the sun with that. But this is, uh, this is, this is comfortable. This is the second edition setting. Although I yeah. think it's also the fifth edition setting. The Sword Coast Guide, uh, the the one mm-hmm. that came out here recently, is actually really good. That's a good source That's book. Cool. Yeah, yeah. They they brought it back. Mm-hmm. Fuck off, Greyhawk. <laughs> um, this adventure starts when you are uh, you're mugged on the streets of Baldur's Gate, um, and you have to track down the thieves to get mm-hmm. your stuff back. But it uncovers a dark alliance mm. to destroy the city. Yes, um, and what I like about this is you go you go from uh, kind of a basic newbie campaign first level fighting rats in a basement quite literally up to you know like taking down a you know an ancient swordsman who dragons. should be dead. Yeah, and dragons yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has a has a very satisfying uh, power arc that mm-hmm. kind of shadows D anD D. Like the relationship of this game to D anD D will be something we'll talk about, mm-hmm. which is really really interesting. Like this is a, a really strong argument for like using the iconography mm-hmm. of D anD D. Like one of the things that I've been that's been floating around in my head a lot lately um, in tabletop discourse because there's been a big backlash against D anD D. Like a lot of people who are just like there are other games mm-hmm. out there. This is not the best game. This should not be the default. But D and D is like is more of a setting almost. Yeah. Like there are a lot of settings within D and D, but it's a flavor. Yeah, you know, it, it's a you do Dungeons and Dragons because you want that iconography and you want that feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are probably other games that also evoke that feeling, but you know, nobody who is choosing to play D and D is saying like this is the best tabletop system mm-hmm. for what for what we want. 
right. know, or very few people, I imagine. Like they're either mm-hmm. ignorant and let them let them be happy in their ignorance, let them you know revel as babes, mm-hmm. um, or uh, you know they just want that flavor and they're willing yeah. to put up with a substandard system. Right, but, right. There's a substandard system that is really good at telling a very narrow uh, kind of like yes band of stories that just happen to be um, you know comforting again. Yeah, um, again, yeah, and and happen to be on display in this game. Yeah, have to be on display in this yeah. game. Uh, so you can play as one of three characters, a uh, dwarven fighter, a uh, human archer, or an elven sorceress. Um, mm-hmm. And although each of them have their own kind of specialties, you're going to be engaging with basically every system as as any of these, right? You're yeah. going to be doing yeah. melee combat. You're going to be using a bow, probably. Um, you know, even for the non-sorceress, uh, the like their abilities act like spells. You know, you cast from a mana pool and things like that. Um, kind of the difference ends up being in the uh, in the skills and stuff. Yeah, and the the characters are a little closer to each other than than I remembered actually. Yeah, the first time I played this, uh, melee combat um, is getting close, and you tap, 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 mm-hmm. tap to fight guys. I'm ever um, so bothered. You become these realms are ever so forgotten. <laughs> um, you draw a bow, and this can be aimed precisely. You get a little uh, aiming uh, line, mm-hmm. you know. And then magic and magic-like skills are chosen and deployed with a uh, a focus cost or mana cost. You have a little stamina meter, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, that does this. Uh, your stamina and health can be restored at any time. Uh, this is like right on the trigger buttons, which is funny. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> just like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna heal tank through this and pull yeah. the trigger on my uh, on my potion gun um, wisely. This effect is not instant. Uh, it's not slow. Mm-hmm. It's not like eating a you know eating food and fallout um, or what have you. Um, but uh, you know, like you can be killed in the process of healing. Like the meter fills up once you once you chug the potion. Yeah, and th- this is your standard Diablo red and blue potion. Yes, kind of shit here. Um, some items in the environment are physics objects, and you jump on them. You have a mm-hmm. jump button. There is platforming both to like get up onto platforms to get treasure and to uh, clear gaps yeah. from time to time. Uh, very weird. It's the only one of these I know that has that. Well, that's not true. X-Men Legends does it from time to time as well. It's just rarer because yeah. you can fly. <laughs> it's, so, uh, and that's, it's so modal, yeah. weirdly. Like This completely gives way after a certain point. Like yeah. after, like after like the first part of chapter two, you're not really dealing with verticality at all anymore. Well, the, the game kind of like, like I like the, you know, spoiler, like I like this game and everything, but I do mm-hmm. think the back half of it is less fun than the first half. Agreed. The, you know, the first half of this is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so each character has different stats and skills that emphasize, uh, you know, lend themselves to strategies. Um, and these will make sense if you've played role-playing games yeah uh you know they are the, these characters are archetypes mm-hmm. um more than anything weirdly enough like you're not super locked into them mm-hmm. um one of the uh the ways you can do this so we have uh Kromlek, our dwarven fighter um who is coded as a fighter but you can play the archer as a fighter mm-hmm. because his class is you know compatible with that so you can just play him with a different stat spread but play yeah. him entirely in melee if you want to mm-hmm. um so Kromlek is durable uh his skills make his basic attacks more powerful and they clear areas around him yeah in a great space yeah neither of us played as him this time but i have played him as in, played as him in the past yeah yeah familiar with cromlock mm-hmm. uh then we got vaughn my boy uh who is meant to fight with a bow but you'll end up spending you know roughly 
two thirds of your time with melee. Or yeah, half your time I mean, with melee because enemies run up to you. Like that's kind of their their yeah. deal is to get in, get get close into distance. So like everything will, rushes you. Yeah, you will be. You will use whatever your range scale is as they're making their movement, and then mm-hmm. you know, good default to melee when they're up close. Yep. And then there are certain enemies that have like different kinds of resistances mm-hmm. to that as well. Um, but his skills uh, allow him to fire different amounts of arrows or different kinds of elemental arrows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and get additional uh, damage just on his arrows, like plus one, plus two, etc. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Vaughn is who you played as. I played as mm-hmm. Adriana the Sorceress. Um, physically weak, has a low health pool, um, but her skills are actually kind of this wide gamut of spells from D&D. So you start out with Magic Missile, or no, you start with Burning Hands, um, and, mm-hmm. you know, so Burning Hands, Magic Missile, kind of up through Meteor Storm. Um, and mm-hmm. these end up getting pretty useful and you have to make some choices with this because you're not going to get on one playthrough enough skill points to be able to get everything. High level skills mm-hmm. require a lot of points to put into them. So like if you're going to go for, you know, um, you know, meteor rain or meteor storm, then you're going to have to pass up like Ottoluk's icy sphere or something like that. Yeah. And Ottoluk does not take that standing down. No, no. It, he actually takes it really yeah. personally. Yeah. Um, the uh, the way that skill points work in this uh, is linear. Mm-hmm. Um, you gain one for each level that you're at. So on level one, you gain one skill point. On level two, you gain two. On level four, you gain four, mm-hmm. etc. But they also scale up in cost. Right. Um, there are certain universal skills that every character has. So faster uh, health or mana regen. The health one is like iron stomach or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's like inte- know, it's intestinal fortitude. Intestinal fortitude. Yeah. yeah. The uh, uh, but mostly you're going to be doing these to unlock new abilities, of which there aren't tons, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for any of the characters, really. Like, the Sorceress has the most. Right. Uh, the Archer has the second most, and then Cromlock only has a couple of abilities. Um, but there aren't tons of them. This is not a complicated skill tree mm-hmm. um, in any sense. It's a big list of little places to put dots. Right. Yeah. Um, so skill points can, importantly here, uh, be saved between levels. So if you... Uh, or you know, if you have your eyes on a on a more expensive skill, this is a good way to kind of jump the power curve by denying yourself an immediate immediate upgrade for this level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and every four levels, you gain an attribute point, which you put into your six main you know D and D stats, mm-hmm. uh, and the game tells you what these will affect. Right. Um, there are dump stats, uh, mm-hmm. and this depending on your class, absolutely. Um, but uh, and there are kind of universally useful yes. points as well. Yeah. Um, you're going to, you know, because this is the kind of game it is, uh, the dungeon crawl, you're going to be finding loot. Um, a lot of this loot is going to be gear. Uh, sometimes it's just money. Uh, but you can buy some gear as well. Uh, armor is going to be most of what you find because, you know, there are different pieces of it. Uh, it's pretty basic. It falls into like different weight classes, um, mostly with plus one to plus five modifiers. Something that's important is, um, uh, wearing heavy armor as a non-fighter class doesn't affect your abilities. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah, they decide not to do, go with that trade-off. Right. Uh, yeah. The, the major trade-off. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, you'll also get like accessories and kind of magic items, but they just affect stats. Right. So it's like plus defense, plus dexterity, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, weapons have different kind of classes, and they'll have like Diablo-style modifiers, so elemental damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for example. Uh, to them there's also a couple of weird ones like disruption or um, of defense 
yeah, uh, yeah. that will give you, you know, benefits to non-combat. Yeah. Interestingly, uh, there are serrated versions, which, um, the, you know, most weapons will, uh, quote their damage as a range because it's randomized every time you hit the serrated ones actually just always deal a base, uh, a base level mm-hmm. of damage. So you give up kind of your potential for a maximum damage, uh, for consistency of damage. Yeah. Which is a neat trade off. Yeah. Um, and you're doing all kinds of that, like, you know, D and early D and D min maxing where it's like, is something that does, uh, one D four plus one, mm-hmm. you know, damage more valuable to me than something that does one D six. Right. You know, it's, it's, it has like a slightly lower range, but a slightly higher floor. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the kind of like really pretty accurate modeling of that stuff. Like yeah, yeah. one of the things about D and D is there's like a billion different types of swords that do one D eight damage. <laughs> um, and that is true here as well. Yeah. Yeah. No. You get your scimitar and you get your long sword and all that broad sword. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, as for like the loop of this and talking about the gear several times per level, uh, you're going to uh, get full up. You know, you're going to reach your encumbrance limit determined by your, uh, by, by, by your strength. Uh, for me, that was very, very little. So I ended up making a lot of trips. Uh, you can pick up re- uh, recall potions that will uh, warp you back to your hub so you can sell restock and maybe upgrade. Yep. Uh, you know, one of my favorite innovations in this genre is in Torchlight 2 gave you the animal, like the pet that would just go sell all your stuff for you, <laughs> which I, I always wanted, like, you know, the shopkeeper's just there and then like a, a parakeet like walks up with a backpack <laughs> and he just knows what to do. Have you seen the video of the, um, penguin, the penguin in Japan that does that? No, it's a it's a little penguin. Uh, it's like, it was like an early viral video. Little penguin wearing a backpack. Um, okay. The owner would come uh, in. would put money in the backpack and send the penguin down to the store um for you know just some items or whatever and the shop used to do with me with cigarettes (laughs) and the shopkeep would take the money and put the stuff in there give the give the penguin a fish as a as a tip Uh, and then the penguin would take the stuff back that's great what a penguin i love it (laughs) yeah kicking in contributing at the house running errands i would die for that penguin (laughs) pockets a fucking loafer <laughs> um, the uh so you, you get these potions they're fairly plentiful mm-hmm. you know like it's i didn't end up finding myself hard up for these um just a weird little trivia the biggest difference between this and the uh, gba port is it doesn't have that Both? um and yeah it's a big deal like Sounds miserable you just have to they, there are more ways to get i, I played it when i um, i first got a uh, gba emulation okay just to, to fuck around with it there are more ways to get back to town okay yeah there's not the uh warp thing weird so yeah uh this game is extremely linear there are three acts uh each act has a hub area with npcs to speak to and shop who are uh shop with the npcs are surprisingly uh verbose yeah uh in this it's weird like this game doesn't skimp on production values not at all in a way that i i really would expect it to I, um <laughs> this is a this is a note from later but i was shocked at how many recognizable voice actors there are yeah like, yeah, it's, it's like a who's who yeah even like right like, at, like right out the gate like your first quest like your first quest giver is jennifer hale uh the yeah. main villain of act one is tony J, and NPC is just cam clark i was like holy it, shit that's yeah. cam clark leonardo the turtle cleric just shows up at one point like, <laughs> just... i was like oh shit that's dwight schultz that's kevin michael richardson jim cummings john reese yeah. davies okay um and like uh, the monster noises were done by uh were done by frank welker so yeah. somebody like 
somebody knew a casting director from Hollywood voiceover productions um, to get this thing staffed up, which is nuts to me. Super, super nuts. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's really surprising. Um, A lot of these characters show up uh, related to side quests. Yeah. Um, These also fall off in the back half of the game. Mm -hmm. You know, like this is is a weird, like I didn't read anything about this having a super troubled development where like it feels like the back half was rushed, but there's definitely less incident. Mm-hmm. in uh in the back half um these almost always are just you find a thing when you're just scouring the dungeon anyway and yeah. you give it to the new person in the hub uh and they tell you a little sad story and give you money or something yeah uh, yeah basically i, I was uh, very all... su- i was very surprised to remember that there was an actual dialogue system in this where you would yeah. like hear a story and ask questions it's nice that there's an escape hatch like when you roll up on an enemy like a boss you can just say shut up i'm here to fight and then then, yeah. then you go. Uh, but it's nice that it's here, especially because, you know, uh, the joy of being in the setting is, you know, getting this detail and having these honestly pretty tired stories wash over you. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, this, this is a pretty generic game. Yeah. Uh, you know, gotta say, like, this does not like we're 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 positive on this. Mm-hmm. This is a 2020 game where we just want to, uh, you know, bask. Yeah, in, in making progress and watching numbers go up. Uh-huh. Like it's not like I'm saying like, you know, oh, this is the secret Baldur's Gate three. Like, no, this no. is this is you know an incredible gaming experience or anything like that. No, it's just it's fun. Yeah, mindless, it's like it's know. ten hours of tapa tapa and like selling stuff and trying to decide do I wanna, do I want to buy this now or do I buy some potions and come back later where I can where I can buy, afford it more easily. Like I yeah. just want to make those kinds of decisions. There's micro decisions that like this type of video games economies are made out of. Yeah. And it, it, it's before, I mean, this is kind of shooting ahead to, you know, summation stuff, but it's kind of before I feel like the kind of looter shooter stuff came mm-hmm. out and every enemy was a huge pinata of different color coded stuff. Yeah. Like it's a manageable version of that, mm-hmm. uh, which I really like. Yeah. Um, there aren't so many adjectives. It's pretty easy at a glance to tell if something is better than what you already have. Yeah. You know, um, it's like, so having played, you know, not very many, but like, you know, I fired up a Borderlands too. Like I'm a, I'm a little bit aware of like what leader shooters are doing right now. Um, like this feels much less engineered than those. Oh yeah. Like, you, you know, a modern, a modern game like that, especially one that primarily like gets money from its publisher by, you know, active user KPIs. They have people who are here to optimize optimize every single one of the interactions like it's a casino right this feels really unoptimized in a satisfying way that like i don't know i would much rather interact with this than something that was designed to keep me in it yeah yeah so this is also this game also has a couch co-op um so you can do two players at once um each co-op game needs its own kind of save slot which is a little weird but Mm -hmm. this would be really fun on co-op i've never tried it and would have liked to i think I've only ever done one of these in online co-op. Um, mm. uh, Champions of Norath added that. Uh, and that's fun. Like, that's a good time. Nice. Yeah. I did uh, Ultimate Alliance with Brayton when we were roommates. So oh, cool. And and that was really fun. Yeah. Um, after you uh, beat the main campaign, there's a challenge dungeon called the Gauntlet that you use to unlock extreme difficulty. And if you beat that, you get to play as Driz Durden. Boop, 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 boop. That's our boy. Yeah, the, the original boy. <laughs> Drizzed. Drizzed, yeah. Drizzed. I'm ready to his books. Don't talk, don't talk mm-hmm. trash. Come on. <laughs> I'm not talking trash. I just, it's a weird thing to name a character. Yeah, it's fair. You can't say it. No, you can't. Um, 
<laughs> it's not sayable. It's one of those no. words. It's not sayable. Yeah, no, it's a uh, th- th- three, three, uh, um, you know, consonants in a row there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you get to play as that. I, I'm curious about that. I wish that there was just a, uh, just a cheat code you could put in and you wouldn't have there is. to. Is there? Oh, well, yeah. I didn't look. Okay. No. Yeah. Um, you can, you can play him as an early. It's kind of disappointing. He doesn't have, uh, has no new abilities. His what? abilities are mostly, yeah. Uh, what? <laughs> they're, they're mostly the same as they're just pulled from other characters. He has a couple spells, yeah. um, has a couple abilities from everyone else. The big uh, kind of thing with him is he starts with really overpowered equipment. Yeah, yeah. Um, his famous swords. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Tingle and and the slicer or whatever. <laughs> fro- fro- frost handle and uh, the 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 stingy. Yeah, <laughs> the something like that. Yeah. <laughs> the stinger. Yeah. <laughs> um so i'll i'll i don't know i already unplugged the system i, I already put the disc away <laughs> yeah, it's done. fine i'm done yeah. I'll, I'll get to play as Driss <laughs> later it's fine um yeah. <laughs> uh so this game is very pretty uh especially mm-hmm. for its time I, I it was remarkable actually like getting into this and seeing how detailed the uh, character models are uh the facial animations like when characters are talking to you um are really high fidelity which is you know which helps you know mm-hmm. um and also like the environments and stuff the water is really like you can tell that they agonized over making it look good like this is a really like high production value showpiece game especially for as early in the generation as it was yeah yep um and when you read like reviews um about this and such this is the main thing people talk about yeah uh this was like a tour de force mm-hmm. you know to use that that phrase yeah it's mixed um, bag. people people really liked it yeah <laughs> um yeah mixed bag you know for fans of the genre yeah um the female characters though are all come and play with me my lord yes like you know you don't want your girlfriend to catch you playing this <laughs> weird just a a, a a strange decision it is like the marketing for everquest not uh, the actual game of everquest i mean everquest is pretty hot dude I mean, I like the actual request, like the, the in-game like, models, like the the armor was all very modest. Like if you looked at the boxes, you would think it was well, nothing. But but, you, yeah, what? Read between the lines, like okay, no, I think what I got under there. Yeah. Yeah, okay, <laughs> a little treasure. <laughs> you know? Hey, hey, Gary, just, just can you never refer to what's under somebody's armor as their little treasure ever again? <laughs> please, just, you just catch a little treasure. Yeah, just catch a little treasure. Yeah, this just reminds me. You know, it's the same team. Uh, like, uh, like Snowblind Studios would have like would like lean into this as part of their thing before Champions mm-hmm. of Norath came out. Uh, one of the big like pre-order bonuses that they had for it was a pinup calendar of the the the, the girls of Norath or whatever. Just real, <laughs> just, just, you know, 3D rendered ladies in centerfold poses. Uh, strange. Just, yeah. Uh, very, very strange to me. God, but. the go- girls of Nora. <laughs> That's a good sentence. Yeah. That's a good phrase. Uh, I think they, they also, the studio also made like the Justice League game that was like this. Oh. That's like one of the rare, like it's a, or not rare, but like a weird uh, entry in this genre. Hmm. Yeah, I remember uh, seeing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is um, the idea to bring Baldur's Gate to console uh, is old. Uh, you know, there was a port of Baldur's Gate 1 for the PlayStation that was, you can find leaks of, but was never officially released. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but this is, you know, the idea of Baldur's Gate being one of the biggest hits on the PC, wanting to capitalize on another market is something that they, uh, they worked on for quite a while. Yeah. Um, they attempted to bring it to Dreamcast, Baldur's Gate one. Um, but then Sega pulled out of the console market, so they couldn't do that. And then Interplay decided, let's make a game specifically for consoles. Right. Um, and they brought in Snowblind Studios to do it. Uh, prior to this, they'd only done like console racing games or what have you. Um, so I don't know why specifically they brought them in. Snowblind wanted to make a game to showcase uh, what they could do with the PS2. Uh, mm-hmm. And all of the early showings, like those reviews that you mentioned, talked about this primarily from a, from a visual standpoint. Yeah. Yep. Um, so a lot of the kind of development story when you look around for this game is about how they solve these graphical problems like aliasing. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it, it's a lot of that stuff that like it's not going to age super well. Like it doesn't look as impressive today, even right. though it does look impressive for the time. It's not a bad looking game at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the really neat thing that you know that they had was a three D wor- like a fully three D world yeah. that rotated. Like you could rotate this as you moved around um, and moved around really smoothly. Yes, in these like huge environments with lots of enemies um, too. Like that that cannot yeah. be undersold, cannot be oversold. Yeah, big rather. deal at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Interplay wanted to develop a PC port to bring Baldur's Gate back home, which that makes sense to me. Uh, you have, you know, things like Diablo, uh, yeah. and they contracted CD Projekt, uh, to do this, but, uh, but the publisher went bankrupt, uh, before very much progress was made. Um, Interplay. Uh, yes. Yeah. Interplay. Yeah. Interplay went, uh, went, went, went bankrupt. Um, yeah. so there is a sequel. Uh, that uh, that continues the story from a different point of view. Mm-hmm. Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance 2 came out in 2004. Um, that was developed by Black Isle itself. It's uh, it's pretty rare. Yeah. Um, so if you're at game shows and stuff, like I picked up a copy of uh, Dark Alliance 1 um, at some point back in the past, and it's not that hard to find. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2 is pretty hard to find. Yeah. I've never played it. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't find it when it came out. Yeah. Even like not when it came out, but when I was like in my mid twenties, mm-hmm. um, was unable to find it. And then, uh, you know, but it's supposed to be a lot better actually, mm-hmm. uh, which is cool. Cause this game is good. I would like to play it at some point. Yeah. yeah. Um, the fact that, you know, black Isle developed that sequel was a little bit complicated because they used the engine that Snowblind created for the first game and Snowblind did not like this. Mm-hmm. Um, they were cranky about it. Yes. We have the market cornered on console. Norath likes. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, you know, went into lawsuits for this. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, we know at that end, both of them, both of these companies are out of business. Lose-lose. Um, Lose-lose. Yes. Uh, Black Isle itself was in the planning process for doing a third Dark Alliance game. Um, again, they, uh, they, 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 they went out of business. Um, and Snowblind themselves would take their engine, um, and they would go to, uh, make the kind of spiritual, spiritual successor to this, the two champions of Norath game games, uh, which take place mm-hmm. in the world of EverQuest. I have played at least the first one of those. Uh, that's fun. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's not forgotten realms, right? Yeah. 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 Um, this, uh, this is one of the, you know, nostalgia will never die. Mm-hmm. Um, a modern revival of this. So Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance was revealed at the Game Awards last year, 2019. Um, has the main cast of the Legend of Drist, you know? So it's going to yeah. be more Drist-focused, which yeah. is probably smart. Plays- you know, people <laughs> people are just like, God, I cannot wait to play more as Vaughn. What happens to the Vaughn story? <laughs> I'm a Vaughn Stan. I mean, Stan? Yeah, Von- yeah that's how we say <laughs> no. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I ship Vaughn and the barkeeper. Yeah. 
So, <laughs> the subtext is there. Yeah. But like you get to play you get to play as like Drist and Wolfgar and uh, um the the dwarf whatever his name is and Caddy Bree. Mm-hmm. Looks like the yeah. you know the trailer for it was pretty embarrassing cuz it was like new metal, but uh, I yeah. don't know, like a modern a modern take on this sounds fun to me. Uh, this was delayed to 2021. That's unfortunate. When we put this on the calendar, it was originally supposed to be out this winter. Uh, but, uh, you know, sometimes things are not meant to be. Yeah, and it's yeah. okay. Game mm-hmm. delays aren't a bad thing. Yeah. Um, um, there's one other thing. I I, I I didn't put this in the notes, but I don't want it to sound like we're talking around it. Uh, this was a Chris Avalon game. Um, yes. Dark Alliance was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you yep. can kind of see his uh, he, see his writing and you know see see his fingerprints in the writing uh, in, a, in, a, in a couple of different places. Also in the in the amount of writing, uh, and mm-hmm. it's unfortunate that that kind of needs to be brought up as like a oh, kind of thing. A disclaimer. Right a yeah. disclaimer. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not like some of his best work or anything like no, that. Like no. this does not make me feel as conflicted as like when eventually we do Tides of Numenera and we have to talk about his really good companion he designed. Yes, like, that's a really interesting companion. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. You know, th- this isn't like you know. Uh, contributing to like the uh, apologia, yes. you know, apologia mm-hmm. uh, for this. Yeah. So it wouldn't be appropriate, but anyway, as we mentioned, this is our premium episode for the month. Um, so this was the preview, mm-hmm. uh, pretty svelte, but we'll get into the body of the game on the main episode, which you get if you are a patron. Yeah. Um, you know, we, uh, so we, you know, we don't feel bad about that. We put out a billion hours about, <laughs> you know, uh, Dragon Age 2 this yeah. month. Yeah. But if you want this, uh, you know, you support us for just five bucks a month at patreon.com slash duckfeed TV. Mm-hmm. Get the, get, get not only the full version of this episode, but the full version of every previous, uh, premium episode. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, whole, whole other shows like, uh, unfilmable. We're talking about Tim and Eric's bedtime stories right now. Um, you get extra abject sufferings, uh, the works, uh, $5 mm-hmm. is a good, uh, it's a good level to be at. If you like listening yeah. to stuff and at $10, you get adaptation decay. Mm-hmm. And this month we did an absolute, uh, evisceration <laughs> of the dragon age fan film, dragon age redemption. Yeah. Um, it's not really a fan film. I wouldn't do it if it's just regular people uh, doing that, but we're really mean to it because mm-hmm. it's horrible. Yeah. It ties into the uh, the other game we played this month. It's a ro- 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 so. roast. Yeah. So. It is a roast. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we'll be back next week uh, with the uh, appendix episode. Or not the appendix episode, the dispatch episode. Sorry, I'm recovering from being sick. Uh, I began with a fumble. I'm going to end with a fumble here. Um, mm-hmm. With the with the dispatch episode, uh, everybody listening to this who is celebrating holidays, please have fun and be safe. Um, mm-hmm. And even if you're not celebrating holidays, have fun, be safe. And fun and mm-hmm. safety shouldn't just be for the for the revelers. Come on, it's not. Yeah, it's not just for. <laughs> It's not just for Christians. It's not just for people who like who believe in the holiday season. Yeah. Fun so, and safety for all. Yeah. That's my platform. <laughs>